Bibles tonight. We're going to be in um, Luke chapter 18. We continue our Bible study uh, through the parables. And uh, last week I taught a parable, as I told you, is one of those parables that uh, was a little bit difficult to understand as far as studying out and, and the way Jesus taught it, of course, and the truth that he was trying to bring out. Uh, tonight is a very easy parable to understand. And uh, uh, I'm going to, um, we're going to look at this one tonight and the context of it's very simple. And it's one of those things that, truth be told, is that you begin to study through the parables. Jesus taught about this subject many a times through parables. And so we're going to look at this tonight. Luke chapter 18. If you find your place, stand with me together, and I will read verses 1 through 8. Verses 1 through 8. The Bible says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. And let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truths of it. Jesus, thank you for all these parables that you taught. And, and Lord, allowing us to be able to study them and learn the truths that will help impact our lives today. And Lord, I pray as we look at this subject tonight, you'd bless us and help us and, and open our hearts, Lord, our spiritual ears to hear. And we thank you now and we ask it in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Of course, tonight, uh, the subject matter of this parable, uh, there's no mystery to it whatsoever. Jesus said it in verse 1, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And it's a parable that is teaching us about prayer. Now, let me just say this, folks. I think it's very important that we kind of uh, uh, talk about this for just a moment. Uh, of course, I've spent several uh, messages throughout the five-year history of the church teaching on prayer. And usually once a year at least, I'll take a, a few uh, sir, uh, messages and, and sermons and preach on the subject of prayer. Now, why is that? Because, folks, I'll be honest with you, prayer is probably one of the most important things in a Christian life, but it's probably one of those things that most Christians neglect the most. And, uh, man, it's so important. Uh, I was talking to uh, Pastor Castle today. He called me and was, was asking me some questions, and, and uh, we began talking about the things of the Lord. And I told Brother Castle, as I was getting ready in my conversation, I'm like, Brother, I said, I feel sharper after talking to you. Amen? Iron sharpeneth iron. But one of the things we were talking about we're talking about prayer. And uh, he made a statement I think is very good. He said probably uh, one of the most single greatest acts of faith in the Christian life is that of prayer. By the way, think about it for a minute, all right? I mean, God wants us, first of all, to take the time to pray. And then when we take the time, we are uh, ta- having a, a conversation that, truth be told, most people think one-sided. Now, we know it's not because we got the Spirit of God living in us, and we know that uh, He's helping us as we pray. But you're not going to hear an audible 
audible voice back from God. But yet God still commands for us to pray, and in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. Amen? And so as Christians, uh, prayer is one of those very most important things in our lives, but maybe we don't see the value of it because to us, we don't see immediate results. But folks, let me just say this. Uh, nothing can be further from the truth. Heaven moves when Christians pray. Amen? In fact, I, I, I say this verse a lot, verse 8, and, and, and I, I make this statement a lot. You, you, you've heard me say it before, but the question Jesus asked, uh, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? And I think that, yes, it's in reference to, you know, Christians' overall faith. But if you take that in context of the parable, what's the faith referring to here? It's the faith when it comes to prayer. Amen? And so that's the context Jesus was talking about. And so let me just say this, folks. You know what? Truth be told, our overall faith, I guess, if you would classify it, I guarantee you is affected by our prayer faith. Amen? And so Jesus gives us a parable here that teaches some basic principles about prayer. And it's the parable of the unjust judge. The unjust judge. Now, in this parable, uh, God is not likened to the unjust judge as in the fact that he is unjust, okay? In fact, the reason Jesus is teaching this about the unjust judge is to show a comparison. And what he's trying to say is this, okay? If this judge who's unjust, it clearly says, Jesus in his parable is saying, he does not regard God, he does not regard man, he basically is for himself, okay? Typical politicians, amen, all right? All about what they want, what's best for them. But what it says here, the, uh, the teaching of the parable, is that this unjust judge will do what was asked of him, even though he's unjust. So think about this for a minute. The, the great truth Jesus was teaching is that if an unjust judge would do that, how much more do you think a heavenly father would do that? Amen? And so what a great comparison here of this unjust judge uh, to the fact that our heavenly father is not unjust. He does love us. He does care about us. And if the unjust judge will do it, how much more will the heavenly father? The widow here we read about is the widow uh, where obviously she has no husband to defend and protect, uh, to protect her. So she had to go to this judge uh, for help, and her request was, avenge me of mine adversaries. And uh, this unjust woman, oh, I'm sorry, the, the woman came to the unjust judge uh, until, and would not leave him alone until she agreed to, uh, for, uh, for he, until he agreed to help her. The adversary there in verse 3 uh, is talking about an opponent. And again, in the Christian life, we have opponents, do we not? And uh, we need God to uh, be there on our behalf so that we can face down our opponents. And then, of course, the great principle here is what we see in verse 5, the fact of her continual coming. You know what? She didn't receive uh, the help she needed when she wanted it, so she kept coming. She kept uh, persistence. She kept uh, having importunity. And finally, you know what? I love what it says. Yet because this woman troubleth me. She would not leave the judge alone until she got what she requested. And so Jesus, again, is using this story to teach us some great principles on prayer. So let's get right into them tonight, all right? Here's 
the first principle we learn is this, is that God will avenge his own. Look what he says in verse 7. Notice what Jesus says. And shall not God avenge his own elect? Let me just say this, folks, all right? And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of stealing a little bit from my message Sunday morning. And, and I was uh, usually, usually, my Sunday morning message overflows some into my Thursday night because I study both of them, all right? And so sometimes you get a little overflow there. Uh, but let me just say this, folks. Amen. God takes care of his kids. All right. That's why you want to make sure you belong to him. Amen. Because let me tell you, you, uh, he is such a wonderful father. Wonderful father. And as much as we as human fathers want to take care of our children. By the way, where do you think we learn that from? Amen? We learn that from our Creator, from our Heavenly Father. And I'll just say this, folks. God takes care of His own. Now, sometimes He doesn't do it the way we think He ought to do it. By the way, you know what? If you can even remember back, most of us probably can, to when we were, you know, little kids, when we would, uh, we were totally 100% dependent upon our parents. And you know, sometimes, you know, when you would ask your parent to do something, or, or you would, you would, uh, want something done a certain way. And you know what? You're, listen to me. As a parent, I know I do this. I never did things just because that's what my kids wanted. I always did things on what was best for them. Amen? Because I was the parent, I have more wisdom and knowledge than they had. And so I didn't always do it the way they wanted it done because they didn't know what was best. Now let me just say this. So is true with our Heavenly Father. Amen? Now come on, church. We either trust God and believe in God or we don't. And I'll just say this. You know what? Sometimes uh, what we think, what we want as Christians is not what God would have. Amen? And by the way, He knows best and He can see things we can't see because He's God. All right? And so you know what? That's why you got to trust your Heavenly Father. And He may not always do it the way you think it ought to be done or how I think it ought to be done. But I'll just tell you this. He loves His kids and He'll take care of us. Amen? And He will avenge His own. Amen? What else do we see about this? We see this. Is that... God avenges those who are persistent. Notice what it says in verse 7, which cry day and night unto him. And again, the whole teaching here about uh, the, the principle that Jesus is emphasizing in prayer is that of importunity or that of persistence. Okay? You know what, folks? Sometimes God on purpose will delay. You know why? Because I think uh, he just may, maybe he just wants to hear from his children more. Maybe he just wants us to uh, just to have that, that faith of relying upon him and that faith of coming to him. Amen? And again, Jesus taught multiple times about the importance of importunity or continuing to come and continually coming to the Father. All right? And you know what? We find out that God moves on the behalf of those who are persistent. Okay? Now listen, folks, have you figured it out? The Christian life uh, is, for the most part, it's not a microwave mentality. Have you figured that out yet about the Christian life? Okay, we live in the microwave generation, do we not? We want it when we want it, okay? And how many times do we still get uh, uh, impatient, you know, waiting on the two-minute bag of popcorn to pop, right? We sit there and tap it around. I can't believe this is taking two minutes. I mean, man, we're just instant. We want it now. Well, let me just say this. God is not necessarily a God of instantaneous action. 
Now, some things are instantaneous. Like, for example, when you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, you get instantaneous salvation. Amen? You don't have to wait. That's not delayed. But when it comes to our faith, when it comes to answered prayer, when it comes to other growth in the Christian life, it's just that. It's growth. And a lot of times, you know what? God, on purpose, uh, will not give us what we what we want, or maybe even He wants to give it to us. But think about this. His timing's not right. Okay, our church planner back there, Brother Young, uh, I spoke to him last week and and even Brother Dice, our other church planner, I talked to him this week too, and uh, talking about uh, you know them trying to find the place to meet, and uh, you know what they're doing, what 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 we did, and and they're doing what they ought to be doing. They're looking, they're trying, but God hasn't opened that door yet. Now listen, the reason God hasn't opened that door is not because He doesn't want a church planted in those towns. I can tell you that He's already called them. He's already made it apparent that's His will for their life. You know what it is? It's just not His timing yet. Okay? And you know what He wants from them and from all of us? Is to continually be persistent and keep praying and keep coming. Alright? Because God will move on behalf of those who are persistent. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 55 verse 17. Here's what he said. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. You know what that means, folks? That means literally all the time you're coming to the Lord. By the way, we need to stop viewing prayer as a one-time conversation with God at whatever set time of the day we pray. That's not what prayer is. Let me tell you what your your prayer time is. Uh, I have my prayer time in the morning, and, and I think there's Bible for that, and that's a good time of the day to have your prayer time. Amen? But listen, to, when you have your prayer time, you know what that is? That's the opening dialogue. Okay? That's to get the conversation flowing. And I heard a pastor say it this way. It's like you call God on the phone, and then all day long, you walk around with the phone off the hook. Amen? But y'all don't even know what that means anymore, do you? Most of you younger generation. All right? What's that mean? There's a hook for your cell phone? Is that what you mean? Oh, my. Uh, yeah, this is instant generation again, right? But no, we know what that means. Those of us who grew up when you used to have to do this to phones. Right? When the phone was off the hook and the dial tone. Now listen, folks, it's talking about open communication. And listen, folks, all throughout the day, we ought to be having open communication with our Heavenly Father. Talking to to God about everything. By the way, He wants that, and He's interested in that. I learned a valuable lesson when we were at football camp uh, 1st of August. I was uh, uh, struggling one day with the gout in my foot, and uh, I was um, I was uh, uh, struggling about that. And I was talking to my missionary friend that I was bunking with, and we were riding uh, to, to the camp that morning, and uh, we were talking. And, and here's what I said: I said, you know, I said I, I just I kind of feel bad about praying to God about it because I don't want to thank God I'm complaining about something like that. And he looked at me, and he's like, "Why would you not pray to God about something like that? He cares about that." And you know what? He's exactly right. He does care about that. Amen? Because he cares for his children. I don't think we ought to have a complaining attitude and walk around in the molly grubs. But listen, folks, you can take anything to God. Amen? He, he, is, he cares about those types of things. And so God will move on behalf of those who are persistent. Not only that, we see this. God moves on behalf of those who are willing to wait. Look what it says in verse 7. Though he bear long with them. 
Now again, we don't like hearing this because we're the microwave generation. We want it when we want it. But you know, uh, there's a lot of Bible verses that talk about waiting on the Lord. Psalms 27 verse 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Romans 8.25. If we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. And folks, again, listen, we got to learn to trust in God and be patient and wait on God. Now, waiting on God doesn't mean that you just sit there and don't do anything until God answers, okay? No, you know what? We ought to continually be uh, doing the things we know God wants for us to do in the process of waiting uh, for God to answer whatever prayer it is that we need answered. Again, uh, uh, Brother James, I was talking to him, and, and you know, he, here's what he told me. He says, you know, he says, we're getting ready to start this church next spring. And he says, you know, I really don't know why I'm so concerned about not having a building yet. He says, because whether I get a building now or whether I get a building two months before we start, it's not going to change anything I'm already doing right now. And how true that is, folks, okay? Listen, we need to understand that certain things God wants for us to do, particularly when it comes to our everyday routine of living life, okay, and continually to do that in the process of waiting on God to answer whatever prayer it is we're praying to Him. But listen, you must be willing to wait on God. And by the way, let me just say this. You know why you need to wait on God, why it's important to wait on Him? Because His timing is always right on time, amen? Always right on time. And uh, we learned that when we went through this whole process of getting this building and getting that property out there. And, and it was all about God's timing. And so God moves on behalf of those who are willing to wait. By the way, you know what that shows? Faith. And what's the aspect of this parable? The aspect of this parable is uh, teaching us to continually bringing things to the Lord, importunity, and also having faith in the God we're praying to. Amen? And then what else do we see? We see this, again, what I just said. God moves on behalf of those who have faith. Again, that very last statement in verse 8, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? And folks, let me just say this. I preached about it Sunday night uh, when I was preaching out there uh, uh, when y'all were sitting under the trees in the lawn chairs. Amen? But Brother Stephen, a man full of faith, and folks, let me just say this. Faith is, uh, I believe, next to prayer. Okay, is one of, uh, and, and I don't know if I would categorize one above the other, but they're both very, very important in the Christian life. Again, what is faith? All right, Faith isn't some feeling that you close your eyes and try to muster up inside. That's not faith. You know, faith isn't, you know, uh, uh, taking the Bible and putting it on your head and hoping it soaks through into your brain. That's not faith. Let me tell you what faith is. Faith is our, our, our action, uh, that what spurs us to action based upon our belief and confidence in God and His Word. That's what faith is. Faith is this. You know what? God said to do it. I don't see the outcome. I don't know how all the details are going to work out. But if God said to do it, I'm doing it. Amen? If the Word of God says to obey it, I'm obeying it. If the Word of God says not to do it, I'm not going to do it. Whether I understand it or not, my faith is in God and His Word. And God, I'm just going to go forward and let God work the details out. Amen? I'm not talking about silliness. I'm not talking about foolishness. I mean, again, the Bible also uh, gives us principles about planning and preparation and those types of things. But truth be told, folks, listen, sometimes we try to out-prepare our faith. And listen, there's just some things in the Christian life you make the preparations, you make the necessary arrangements for, but then you know what it is? It's a step out in faith. 
And so it is when it comes to our prayer life. Matthew chapter 21, verse 22. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye shall receive them, and ye shall have them. Now some people misinterpret these verses for, you know, treating God like a genie in a bottle, okay? And God's not up in heaven sitting around waiting to grant all, any wish we have. That's not what these verses are teaching. By the way, study this. The context of prayer, truth be told, if you study it throughout the Scripture, is when Christians are doing a work for God. Amen? And I'm not saying God doesn't answer other prayers. But listen, most of the prayer promises are connected to us living our obedient Christian life, following God in the will of God. Okay? And so... But you got to believe. you got to have faith in the fact that when you pray, God hears. Amen? And He will answer. Now, let me give you here a, a simple illustration of someone who did this and saw how God moved in their life. A lot of times there's Old Testament illustrations that, that parallel these New Testament truths. And there is one back in Genesis chapter 32. Let's turn over there for a few, for a few moments. Genesis chapter 32. I'm going to read the story of a man, truth be told, who uh, for a lot of his life wasn't necessarily a great example, okay? And that, of course, is Jacob. Jacob, of course, his name means trickster. It means supplanter. And you read about Jacob in the first part of his life. He was a rascal. And uh, he, uh, he lied. He connived. And, uh, but you know what? God still had a plan for Jacob. And finally, uh, Jacob come full circle with God and had this experience with the Lord that we're going to talk about and learn some uh, principles here of what Jesus was teaching there in Luke chapter 18. Genesis chapter 32, uh, begin, uh, let's begin at verse 22. It says this, and so, and he arose up that night and took his two wives and his two woman servants. By the way, you know a guy is uh, kind of messed up in the head if he's already got two wives and two women servants. Amen? That's I'm just saying, all right? Uh, just one. That's all we need, all right? And it says this, and passed over the ford uh, Jacob. And he stood and he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place uh, Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew, sinew that shrank. So here you see uh, uh, Jacob's encounter with God. Amen? And by the way, man, there's, there's a lot of powerful uh, truth here about Jacob. 
Jacob. But truth be told, this is where God changed him from the trickster and the supplanter to the prince. This was Jacob's moment in life where, where he got his life right with God and began going the direction God wanted instead of the direction Jacob wanted. All right. Now, what, what do we see that happened here that allowed this experience to happen to Jacob? The first thing you see is that Jacob got alone. Amen. He had to get away from all the distractions. He had to get away from family. He had to get away from the drama he was getting ready to experience that no doubt was in his heart toward his brother Esau. And he had to get by himself. He had to get alone. And you know what he had to do? He had to do just what we sang about a few minutes ago. Be still and know that I am God. Let me tell you, folks, the devil wants our lives so caught up in this and so caught up in that that we never have time to get alone and get quiet and let God speak to us. Amen? Let me tell you, folks, we just need to have time where everything quiets so we can hear the voice of God. Amen? We're living in a noisy world. Everybody's noise, noise, noise. Listen to that. Watching that. I mean, you know, uh, everything is geared toward keeping our minds engaged toward other things. But you know what? I'm telling you, if you want to be able to have power with God the way Jacob did and uh, have your prayers answered the way the, the widow did in, in the parable, you've got to learn to get alone. And there's different types of praying, and we've taught this before. There's, there's public prayer, no doubt about it, and there's united prayer. But probably the most effective prayer there is is closet prayer. Amen. Secret prayer. Your personal relationship with the Lord one on one. And Jacob, first of all, before he could hear God, had to get alone. And then not only that, you know what? Jacob had to take time. The Bible says he got alone at night and stayed praying until the breaking of the day. Listen, he was willing to give as much time as was necessary to get this answer from the Lord. It speaks of exactly what Jesus taught, that idea of of, of persistence, of importunity. I understand you can't pray all night all the time, okay? All right? And I don't necessarily uh, think that the principle means you get, you gotta pray, you know, no sleep and pray every night all night. That's not humanly possible, okay? But there are times, folks, where you know what? You just gotta keep going to God, keep going to God, keep going to God. How many times you ever heard someone give a testimony and they said something like this? I prayed for my loved one for 20 years and they finally got saved. I prayed for my loved one for 30 years, and they finally got saved. And folks, listen, sometimes prayer requests, they're not a sprint, they're a marathon. Things we're praying for. And Jacob was willing to take the time and and pray and wrestle with the Lord. Amen? And we see that in the next point is that Jacob Jacob had to work for it. I mean, listen, literally, he wrestled with God physically to be blessed. Now, of course, the thing, the, the, the way thing God appeared to people in the Old Testament is a little bit different than, than the church age we're living in. But literally, Jacob here was wrestling with what I believe the Bible teaches is, is an, an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. He was physically wrestling with God. And uh, folks, listen to me. You know what? Sometimes you just got to spiritually wrestle with the Lord about some things. And I don't mean fighting God like, you know, uh, he's the opponent and, and, you know, you're trying to beat him and you're trying to get God to do what you want. That's not what I mean. But you know what? You just got to sometimes, uh, uh, and that's why it takes time. And you got, you got to know the mind of God. You got to spend time with God. You, you got to work some, sometimes work some things out with the Lord. I remember when we were uh, uh, deciding whether or not it was the will of God for us to plant this church. I know exactly what that meant, wrestling with God. 
Because you know what? It was a big decision for my family. I was going to move us from, from what we knew, what life was considered as normal. We were going to make some drastic decisions, drastic steps. And I had to know it was God's will for our life. And I remember, you can ask my wife, I, I'd go out at night and walk our property and, and spend some time and just trying to wrestle with God and, and get God to, to answer that prayer and confirm to my heart what His will for my life was. And you know what? Sometimes, folks, you just got to work for it. And by the way, you know what? That's a good thing. Because you know what? Again, you know what that does? It keeps us in the presence of the Lord. It keeps us where, you know what, we keep having faith in God. And by the way, folks, sometimes maybe God will not answer the prayer just so He can spend some extra time with us. Because I don't know how y'all are, but sometimes in my life, I don't realize how much I need God until I get in a position where I really need God. I mean, truth be told, folks, you know what? I mean, when, when things are going real well, we tend not to be as close to God when things aren't going too well. I'm not saying it doesn't have to be that way, but, but part of that's human nature. And sometimes God just wants to um, uh, have you, you know, spiritually wrestle with Him to get these things uh, figured out. And I'm going to tell you, folks, you know what? Uh, those of you that have been saved for any amount of time and you walk with God, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Amen? Because there is work involved. And let me just say this. This is true, too. Prayer is work. Prayer is work. I mean, the two things in the Christian life my flesh fights me the most at doing, the two things is prayer and uh, soul winning. The two things my flesh fights me the most on is doing those two types of things right there. By the way, probably two of the most important things to do in the Christian life. Amen? I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't have as hard of a time reading my Bible as I do praying. Praying is harder for me uh, as far as uh, getting my flesh doing, doing uh, uh, in the process of prayer than it is even reading the Scripture. Because I want to tell you, folks, it's so important. And so Jacob had to work for it. And you know what? If, if you're going to have a walk with God and spend time with God and pray, you're going to work for it also. And then last of all, here's what we see is that Jacob would not give up. Man, I love this. Again, the, the, the principle of importunity, the principle of persistence to God. Notice what it says. Uh, and it says that the angel, uh, well, let's just read it again. And, and, and you got to kind of understand the context of, of who's talking and, and who's answering here. But it says in verse 26, And he, talking about the angel or Jesus Christ, said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he, Jacob, said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Now where is that kind of attitude when it comes to prayer with God? Now folks, listen, I don't believe for one second we ought to come to God in an arrogant, proud, haughty spirit. By no means. But the Bible does say we can come boldly unto the throne of grace. And you can come boldly to God. Now again, folks, understand, He's God. Okay, so be respectful, be reverent. But you know what? Come boldly, amen? I love what Jacob said. He says, I will not let thee go until thou bless me. Where's that attitude when it comes to Christians in our prayer life? God, I am not going to quit praying until you give me an answer about this, God. God, I'm not going to stop asking unless you tell me not to, God. I need you to, I need to hear from you, God. I need you to answer me, God. Where's that kind of prayer life at? Amen? Jacob wouldn't let go. He wouldn't give up until he got the answer. And you know what you find here? God answered. Now, one last thing you'll see about this, and man, this is, this is super powerful is this. Jacob didn't leave the same. He didn't leave the same. By the way, he didn't leave the same spiritually because his name was changed from Jacob to Israel, which means supplanter to prince. But he also didn't leave the same physically. Notice what it says in 
Verse, uh, 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 verse uh, 29, I think it is. And, uh, and he said, um, no, I'm sorry, verse, uh, uh, verse 31. And he passed over Peniel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Literally, when God touched Jacob, he was never the same for the rest of his life. I'm going to say this, folks. You get a hold of the God of heaven, and obviously salvation. Amen? When you get saved, your life changes. All right? It's never going back. Or at least it shouldn't. Amen? But no, I'm talking about here not just salvation, but I'm talking about a relationship with God where literally things are different. And there's a level in the Christian life that, truth be told, most Christians don't make it to. Where you can know God in such a way to where things are different. Amen? And here's the greatest thing about prayer, folks. And my pastor taught me this. It's not so much when we pray that we're changing God, changing God's mind. Sometimes it's what people think. Well, if I pray long enough, God will change His mind about what I want Him to do for me. No, it's not so much that we change God. How about this? It's that God changes us. And when you spend time in the presence of God, I promise you, you can't help but be changed. Amen? And so listen, church. We need to have a prayer life, okay? We always have needed to have a prayer life, but especially in these perilous times we're living in, okay? I mean, I'm telling you if, you, if you don't if you don't have a relationship with God, what are you waiting on? Why are you playing a game? Amen. Know God. If there's ever a time we need to know Him, it's now. And so let's take this principle tonight that Jesus taught in Luke chapter 18 about persistence, about importunity, and let's apply it when it comes to our prayer life with Him. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight.